0: Come on!
1: Come on! Oh! Oh, oh! Hey!
0: Hey. Listen, why don't we just keep this up till midnight? And then in between times, see, I will come on and say, ladies and gentlemen, I'm looking down on the scene of such fantastic orgiastic passion. <laughs> this is the first play-by-play, actual, on-the-air, live broadcast of an orgy, now going on in the village.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, there goes one. Oh, good heavens, I'm seeing
1: it.
0: <laughs> and they can hear the sound of goatish cries of passion. Yeah, evils. A little kid sitting back there with a cheeseburger in one hand and a kazoo in the other. How's Evo? (laughs) He learned it from the New York Times, you know. Oh, listen, I want to, before we start tonight, I want to tell you something I saw about 15 minutes before I came in. It was one of those, one of those terrible moments. I mean, a really rotten moment. We've all lived through rotten moments that we prefer to forget, most of us. But we can't. Because they stay down in your gut, and once in a while, at 3 o'clock in the morning, you wake up for no given reason, and all of a sudden, you think about it again. You ever had that experience? Something that happened five years ago. You sit there, and you're bugged. What is it? What's after me? Why am I getting this? Well, 10, 15 minutes before I came down here, I'm over here in one of these concrete automobile parking emporia. you know, where all the Jaguars are parking and all the Chevys and the convertibles and everything. And it's Saturday night, see? And I walk along and suddenly a car comes up the ramp. And I can see it's a gala. You know what it is when you see a car that is going out for a big night? There's just a certain glow about it, you know? And you can see all those heads in the car, you know, all bobbing. The windows are sort of glistening. And it just goes, up the driveway it goes and it stops. And I'm walking past, see. And I see in the car it is filled with kids going to a prom. Oh, that stopped you, didn't it? (laughs) Oh, there isn't, I'll tell you, there isn't a single one of us who are Americans who don't know that. It's a magical, almost a mystic totem word. Prom. Prom. It's a thing. I don't know. You know, it's very hard to describe it. It's it's much more important in most people's lives, and yet it's a thing you practically instantly forget because it turns out so rotten. <laughs> yeah, it's a truth. You know, it's one of those things that you're, you you know you're supposed to dig. You know, you're supposed to love it because it's part of you know high school graduation, and for four years they talk about the prom, the senior prom. Well, I'm over here in this parking lot and I see them getting out and here are these kids, you know, the boys, they got the redded coats, half of them still got tags on the back, you know, <laughs> they all get out, so you know, stand there with the, with the black ties all, you know, tied real tight, your necks, you bulging out, you know, that feeling, that thing like you're a, you're a tube of toothpaste <laughs> and you got the top on and somebody's squeezing like mad from the bottom, you know, the kids are all... Uh, so, One guy's got a cummerbund, see, and a kid's about 38 pounds overweight, and he doesn't know it, see. He thinks he isn't overweight, so he got a size 32 cummerbund, and he is a size 39. You know, the cummerbund is bent over on the top, and it bends up at the bottom there, and you can hear little creaking things. They all get out, see, and the chicks start getting out. Now you know, let's face it, the prom is a chick thing. This is truly a feminine, this is kind of a, it's kind of a, uh, well, it's almost druidic in its fertility symbols. You know, with the flowers, the green leaves. <laughs> they even have things called bids. And here they're getting out, see, and the girls have all got these flowers. And I'm standing there, you know, waiting for them to get past me. Now, this this is just, actually just happened. I don't know, they, they're out there in the darkness now, probably still crying. Yeah, and, and they get out of the car, see, and they're all getting out real careful. You know, the girls have got the long dresses. You know, there's awful-looking white dresses. You know, they've all got little bumps all over here. Half the girls are wearing a girdle for the first time in their life. The girls weigh, you know, they weigh 84 pounds. The mother says they've got to have a girdle. You know, here they are. They're, they go in like this. They, you know, they're getting out, see, and they're very carefully squeaking out one after the other, and there's seven of them. It's the old man's car got a jersey plate
1: <laughs>
0: They've made it so far okay see They came over the bridge okay The old man's car is all gleaming Now they're ready for the big C see And I'm waiting for them to get past me One little chick the last one is still in the back seat And here's her big clunk you know the guy that's got her you know he's going to take her out Stanley's waiting he's got a hold of the door see He says, come on, let's go, Dottie. Come on, let's go. It's getting late. You know, he's anxious. You can see his ears are wet and red. Come on, let's go. And she is trying to get out. She just gets down like this, takes two steps forward, when all of a sudden, (laughs) she rips her dress right up the back. It is hooked onto the, the little window knob, a rip about seven feet long. And instantly you could just hear this. I could see the scene, you know, they've been picking this dress out now for four and a half weeks in gimbals. Four and a half weeks. They've got it taken in and let out. They've measured her and now it's ripped right down the right down the back end. All the way down. And what what got me was Stanley. Stanley says, Oh, it's it's not very bad. <laughs> Oh, it was just hanging in rags. And the other girl sort of looked embarrassed. And her corsage just drooped. <laughs> just went down. And immediately she started to cry. And I thought, oh, boy. The prom is off. This is the beginning of the night that they are going to forget by next week. Their mind will erase it. A friend of mine who's a doctor told me a story just last night. And he he, he told it, you know... With that hesitant, almost uh, almost choked up way of telling about something that he has erased, but not quite. He told me about the night he graduated from medical school. Can you imagine anything bigger than that? He's a doctor, see? A new doctor. And he goes out and he rinsed this tuxedo. And he's got this fantastic chick that he has been pursuing up and down the halls of this university for four years. And finally he has caught up with her now, see. She wouldn't even consider him until it said doctor. Now he's doctor, see. He ain't no longer Mike or Freddie. He's doctor, see. He went to Tuxedo. And now the two of them, he didn't he didn't even know her. All he knew was that she was like the golden fleece. The thing he had been pursuing for four years, seriously. Women don't know that feeling, men do. That's why Beethoven was a man. (laughs) Oh, he was writing about a lot of things. Oh, wow, especially in the ninth there, in the end, when they all start yelling at once, you know. You could just see Beethoven was thinking of a date that he had that didn't pan out. He was pleading for love of mankind, you know, and Schiller and Gehrter, all of them. There isn't a female in the lot that writes that kind of stuff. And my friend is about, you know, he's, he's a changed man as of that night. Up to this point, he was, he was an idealist. He believed that to the good went the good. He believed that if you did nice things, well, <laughs> nice things happen to you, <laughs> you know? And he is a nice guy. He's been pursuing this chick now for four years. And she's he says he says, I'll never forget her. He says she was she was like carved out of ivory soap. Just beautiful. I mean, she floated and everything. She was just pure. <laughs> Ninety nine and forty four, one hundred percent pure all the way, you know. By the way, when you were a kid, did you ever see that slogan? Ninety-nine and forty-four, one hundred percent pure. And every time I saw it, because I had this rotten arithmetic teacher ma- named Miss Jacobs, every time I see that slogan, I want to say, why don't they reduce the fraction?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's just
0: the kind of thing that Miss Jacobs would write on the B-minus. What goes into 44 and 100? Divide it out. You know, know, she was that kind of girl. She was just beautiful, elfin, beautiful, pure thing, see. And so he's got about 25 bucks. And you know, a medical student is really uptight, I'll tell you. Every med student I ever knew is really living harder than any artist I ever knew. And so he has scraped together 25 simoleons. He has graduated this day. Where do they go well, they go to the plaza. And you know how that is. All of his life as a kid he'd walk past that, see. And he'd see these rich people with the long dresses and the Mercedes and the big Rolls Royces, you know, and those you know, those big ornate carved, those fantastic lamps they've got out there? It was the plaza, see? And now he is going to take her to the plaza. The doctor. He's in his rented tuxedo, he's with his rented girl, you know? (laughs) You know, oh yeah, he's a real idealist, see? And so they walk up to the head waiter. He didn't know anything about this, you know? He thought it was kind of like the H and H, you walk in, you know? (laughs) Instead they got gold trays or something, you know? He walks in there, here's the head waiter, see? And the head waiter says, uh, how many? They always ask you that. There's only two of you. Just how many? You know, what he really wanted to say, she's the only one who's here. I'm just with her. The guy says, how many? And he says, "Uh, two. And he wanted to say, I'm a doctor. Give me a good seat. He says you know, it's funny. You want to say, well, I'm a doctor. I should be important. If anybody needs a doctor here, I'm ready. I'll jump up in case of anything. He Anybody gets a clam stuck in his gizzard. I'm ready, you
1: know
0: <laughs> He's ready to leap, you know, so they yeah, he says it was a terrible moment, and so they come into this place, you know, and here are all these have you ever been in the in the in the in the plaza when it's in the full blush, when it's in heat? It's very different you know than any place because there's little potted palms, and they've got those little tables, and they've got these waiters with the tight coats and the towels over the thing, you know. And there's thousands of little old ladies who've been there since Diamond Jim Brady's days. See, yeah, and they all sit. Oh, this is it. This is that. See, and he walks down the aisle with this girl. See, and he takes the waiter takes him right through this whole place, and all these people look up. He's trying to hold his stomach in. See, he's trying to walk very straight. I'm a doctor. Anybody get a clam stuck down on the thing there? I'll take care of it if you get the glunts tonight. I'm ready. And they walk to the table. See, you got it. He goes all through this, this beautiful restaurant. It costs you $20 just to go into this place. See, They get to the table. This girl has said three words to him all night. You know that kind of girl who's remote? You've all had that experience. And he keeps saying she'll soften up. I'm a doctor. I know some tricks.
1: <laughs> Where did she sees my diploma, I'll tell you.
0: I'll show her, you know, I've got a lot of stuff going. See, and he's plotting, see, and she has said nothing. She's walking beside him with this kind of ethereal, floating quality that prom girls have. They arrive at the table, and the waiter, you know, goes around, he takes the chair out for the girl, and she sits down. And he takes the chair out for him says, May I help you, sir? He sits down. And he... T- Puts the menu down. It says, "Will you have a drink?" And she says, uh, uh, "Yes, I believe I'll have. I'll have a Bloody Mary." And my friend sat there. he's he thinking, "What is sophisticated, see?" And believe it or not, the only thing he could think of, because he's half paralyzed, he's a doctor this afternoon, you know, first tuxedo, Plaza, the whole bit. His mind is blank. He says, "Give me a boiler maker." <laughs> Have you ever ask for a boilermaker in the plaza?
1: <laughs>
0: and so the waiter says, a boilermaker? He says, oh, yeah, says, uh, scotch and water. That's what I said. <laughs> scotch and water. <laughs> yes, that's what I
1: mean.
0: <laughs> and away goes the waiter, see, and they sat for three, he says, it was like three distinct beats. They sat at the table, this snowy tablecloth made of the finest Irish linen. <laughs> he says, it's funny, looking down, he could just see little Irishmen weaving it by hand, you know. <laughs> and there was the silver, you know, with the carved crest of the plaza on the big plate that was hot and everything. Oh, the crystal. And he, he's sitting there, and he looks across, and he, his mind, you know, you're all of us men know this, see. His mind says, now, catch her eye. <laughs> you know that look, men? All of you have practiced, no doubt, in front of the mirror, that burning look. You know that look? Just
1: look. Yeah.
0: He, he, he starts at sea. He turns the look on her, and she leans forward, and he says, Oh, wow. He says, It works. She leans forward, and she says, Come here. He leans forward, and he says, Now it's coming. She says, Your fly is open. <laughs> And he's a doctor, you know. <laughs> he reels back, you know. You'd think he'd be used to that kind of stuff, you know. He says he reels back. He sits there, and here's this beautiful tablecloth and everything, and all these people. And he has this sense that they're all looking at him. And the first thing that happens is his mind he says, how long has it been
1: open? <laughs>
0: and then he knows his mind ticks back, his own glow
1: been open all (laughs) afternoon.
0: Everywhere I went, I walked straight to my car. (laughs) And so up there, you see, off to the left, this is a true story, up to the left, you know, in the plaza, they have this little seashell, see, and it's all completely encased and surrounded by potted palms, and in it are four very proper musicians. You know, the kind of Musicians that play they look like cast-off from Lawrence Welk, you know, and they sit up there and they play things like selections from the Chocolate Soldier. <laughs> and, and they they're quietly playing away, see and they're sitting there, and so here he is, he pulls his chair up and he he starts to zip well, it's not very easy, you know, and you're sitting there with the chair, so he gets he figures he's got it all set now, see. He's sitting there oh boy, how am I going to make this up now? The evening is shot. And up in the pit, they're playing that soft music. And he says, without thinking, again, he leans forward and he says, would you like to dance? And she says, yes. And there were a couple of stately people out there, you know, that you know that rich people dance? See Aubrey Smith type dance, you know, when they sort of move back and forth like this. You know, they move like this. The music means nothing at all to that kind of dancing. It bears no relationship even to dancing. It is closely related to something that they do in Britain that has to do with changing of the guard. You know, they sort of walking around, see and my friend, remember, he's a doctor. He's sitting there, and she says, Yes, I would like to dance. Let's wait until they play something a little faster. So he says, Very good. Okay. The waiter brings the drinks. And now he's beginning to get calm again. You know how that that feeling of, Gee, Well, I'm coming back now. The roses were coming into his cheeks. He was beginning to breathe regularly again. His heart had started once more. See, the sweat was drying after that fantastic moment with the zipper. Now everything's cool. And the band starts playing something. This is called the businessman's bounce. They call that, all musicians call that the businessman's bounce. And if you listen carefully, you can hear the half dollars rattling in their pockets. Hmm. Tink, think think tinka, tink ta, ta- ta- ta, and the credit card scratching together. Ta 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 ta. Ta 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 ta. Well, that was fast for the plaza, see. So she says, Shall we dance? And he says, Yes. And with that, he pushes his chair back, steps up, sweeps around together, and off goes the whole shebang. Down comes the table, stuck in his zipper is the tablecloth. the glasses fall down and crash and at first he thought she knocked it over you know he says oh here my dear and he walks and here he's dragging
1: 48,000
0: little old ladies look look at that pig
1: what was he doing under the table a pig
0: how do you get up in front of the plaza and say "Well, (laughs) well uh you know, I'm just a card. I like to do little party jokes. <laughs> you
1: know,
0: he had, this, he had this terrible feeling that he should stand up all of a sudden and say, uh, all right, now anybody uh, pick a card, any card. You
1: know?
0: <laughs> what a moment. And you know, he said, he said, he got that thing out, you know, he finally got it unzipped. The waiters, they were, they were fantastic. He says, you could, you could not believe it. He says, the waiters came over there. He says, there were about seven French waiters. And they, for the first time, liked him.
1: <laughs>
0: they were French waiters, see?
1: <laughs>
0: Suddenly he was in. You know, they're bringing him drinks. They're bringing, he's the only swinger that's been in there in a 100 years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I'll tell you. <laughs> that, oh, there it goes. <laughs> You know,
0: that reminds me, I'm going to tell you something about that, about that business right there. Oh boy, I'll tell you, you know, have you ever seen these ads? The ads that start out, I dreamed that I flew over Fifth Avenue in my maiden form bra. You know that bit? Well, that's based, you see, of course, on the, on the vague secret fear that everybody has of being caught off base. You know, literally, finding yourself walking down Fifth Avenue and, and, and there's this fantastic thing and you don't even know it, see? Let me tell you a story. All actors are afraid of one thing. Believe me. And it ain't forgetting their lines. It ain't that. I'm going to tell you a story that's a true story. The worst thing that ever happened to me in the entire, my entire career in, in showbiz. About two years, three years ago, I am playing in an off-Broadway house. And I am playing the devil. I am playing Mephistopheles. And it's in a reworking of Faust. Any of you remember that play? It was called A Banquet for the Moon. And I'm the devil, see. And I am a very cool devil. Oh, yeah, he's really on top of it, see. And I'll never forget this scene. Here's the devil. And sitting over here, here is is the hero, see, Faust. Actually, the hero was the devil. Actually, hear it, there, there's the devil again. The hero really is the devil, see. And I say to him, and by the way, hey, quit rattling up glasses for one minute, will you? All right, okay, thank you.
1: Well, right, let's give him a
0: hand. Thank you.
1: That's
0: his big moment for the year. All right, you know, one night, I'm playing the devil, see. Now, now, now listen to this for one minute. Can you imagine a guy sitting down to the table with you, see? And you're just dis- you're absolutely out of your skull, you're desperate. I mean you you figure life is done. There's nothing in it for you. And not only that, you're having terrible pangs of conscience, that you haven't been a good person, and you're sitting there, see? And all of a sudden, this guy sits down with you, and he says, How are you? And you say, Terrible. (laughs) Terrible. Life has left me an empty shell. There is nothing in it. No, indeed, I have lived a life of sin. I have been an evil person. And now that I am about to depart this mortal coil, I am looking back over my life with fantastic conscience bangs, and I'm going to kill myself. This guy says, now wait a minute. Cool it, Jack. Look, I know what's bugging you. You have never once in your life, ever once really swung. That's what's bugging you. Once you have read all of your life about evil, All of your life, you've read about 57 people nabbed in orgy in Bronx. And where were you? At the (laughs) A&P. Well, if if you will sign away your soul to me, I will make you 22 years old. Tonight. And I will make it possible for you to do all the things that you ever wanted to do, only a few things you never thought of. All right, are you ready to sign?
1: All
0: right, that's you. Look at Dorian Gray sitting over there. And so, so, he see, I turned to Faust. I'm saying that to him, see, and I turned to, I turned to Faust, and I say, how about it now? All right, now, in just 10 seconds, you'll be 22 years old. And he's a gnarled old man. You know, he's got a gray wig on. And he's got, he's got two laps, and he's supposed to be a famous scientist who has wasted his life and is about to commit suicide. And I'm saying, look, fella, Nobel Prize or not, I know what's bugging you. You never swung. Not once in your life. And he says, no, that's not it. No, no. I say, oh, come on, forget it, Jack. And I get up and I walk away, see. And then he turns and he says, wait. I say, ha ha. All right, here's the paper, sign right here. And he signs. You got the scene? Okay. Instantly, the stage becomes black. And then I quickly move behind my little magic, I've got a little magic laboratory, and I start mixing stuff. See, I'm the devil, remember, see? Evil, look. I mix these potions. And then it goes, boom! Instantly, a spotlight comes on at the front of the stage, and there he stands. Totally a brand-new man. 22 years old. And the crowd went, ooh, just like that, see? Every last one of them said, oh God, I wish it could be me, you know? And he goes, ooh, and then I, as the devil, see, I come from behind my little counter, and I've got, I, in the meantime, I've changed costume in the dark, see? And I've got this very hep suit, and I come sweeping up to him, and I walk up behind him, and he's looking out at the audience, see? And I stand and look over his shoulder, he's supposed to be looking in a mirror, and I say, how do you like it? And he says, boy. And I say, how do you like it? Well, this night, for some reason, as I come up here, the crowd roars. I say, how do you like it? They roar again. And all of a sudden, Faust turns and he says, your fly's open. And I'm the devil. It was one of the great moments in American theater. Have you ever seen the devil try to get off stage quickly, you know, scurrying, walking like sideways? (laughs) And the crowd is hollering, come on back, that was a good act, let's go. (laughs) Oh boy, we'll be back in five minutes, but before we go, let's give one note of compassion for all those guys out there in the darkness who are about to make a fatal mistake. Let's hear it. Oh, we'll be back in five minutes.